There's no opportunity to plead this out. Only if I plead guilty, which is, of course, unacceptable. I have to worry about a three strikes law since I plan to commit future crimes. Are you ready? Relax. Jenny Craig. All right, everybody. Welcome up. May it please the court, with all due respect. Get up! Get up! From Forest Green Studios, the home of Boston-Legal.org, you're connected to Boston Illegal Radio here and now. It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2005. It's the day after Boston Legal Tuesdays. I'm Dana Greenlee, and you're listening to Boston Illegal, the unofficial weekly radio show that is all about Boston Legal, the David E. Kelly-produced television show that's broadcast here in the U.S. on ABC, along with help from 20th Century Fox and, of course, David E. Kelly Productions. Today's Boston Legal Radio is essentially a conversation about the August 30 repeat episode from Season 1, entitled, Till We Meet Again. With me now is Rob. He was here with us last week for a premiere podcast, and he's back again. Hello, Rob. Yes, perfect to be back. I didn't know if I was coming back this week or not. We told you 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 would have to stay out of the studio. Mm -hmm. And we were... Stay downstairs is what you told me. (laughs) Thank goodness that your other co-host couldn't make it. I'd like to remind everybody that this is a new show, a Boston Legal Radio. We had one show so far last week. That was our premiere episode. If you want to listen to it, you can go to odeo.com. That's O-D-E-O.com. And of course, you can go to boston-legal.org, where you can listen to it right there as well. As long as you're there, check out all the episodes, all the content, all the beyond the script pages that are at boston-legal.org. And... We want to hear from you. And we actually got some reaction from last week. We got several emails. We got a phone call that will be airing a little bit later in the show. But we want to hear your reaction from the episode. So next week when you watch Death Be Not Proud, right after the broadcast, or certainly by the morning of the day after, call this number, email me, give us your thoughts. We'd love to really hear your voice. So call 1-800-986-8290. It's a recording, so you're not going to have to talk to anybody. You can call in the middle of the night. You won't bother us. And just give us your thoughts on the episode, uh, anything you want to say, your favorite lines. You can also email us at bostonillegal at gmail.com. And all that information is on the homepage of boston-legal.org. As we talked about last week, we're going to cover the news first. A little bit of news surrounding Boston Legal was released this week. So we're going to touch on those points and then quickly move on to Talking about the episode, Rob. Didn't we enjoy watching that last night? Yeah, it was a great episode. Uh, though it was a repeat, and I'd seen it before. It's always entertaining, like Boston Legal always is. Yeah, and provocative and you know, silly, very provocative and naughty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we have sexually provocative on a regular basis. But I think this week we hear uh, from Schmidt. She has practically an orgasmic reaction to saying the name Denny Crane. Mm-hmm. She has she has a habit of doing that. I think she enjoys doing that to Denny. We're going to actually hear from a lot of them because we have sound bites from the episode about almost 10 minutes of sound bites. So I think you're going to enjoy reminiscing with us as we listen to them and then talk about each storyline. Jumping into the news, uh, this week saw the launch of a new marketing campaign for Boston Legal. 
ABC is kind of renowned starting last year for having interesting, unusual. Doing creative things. Yeah, yeah. creative mm-hmm. things. This week they decided to put up a bunch of billboards across the country in major cities that urged people to call 877-SUE-TO-WIN. This phone number. They don't know what they're calling, but when they do, they hear this. You've reached one eight seven seven through to win the law offices of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. No one is available to... Anyone ever told you how incredibly beautiful you are? Mr. Crane, I'm busy. No one is available to take your call right now. You want... Mr. Crane, I'm serious. And be sure to watch Boston Legal, Tuesday nights at 10, 9 central on ABC. God, you're sexy. Daddy, do not breathe on the back of my neck. It's over. So stop it right now before I throw you in this whole room for harassment. She's wicked. She's wicked. I love it. <laughs> now you can really tell what we're talking about, about the provocative nature of this show. Now, actually, I think if you call 877-SUE-TO-WIN, you might actually get some other voices because I understand that it kind of rotates through some other voices, characters from the show. This one was Denny and a secretary from Greenpool and Schmidt. Well, I think we also need to mention that was a telephone recording and sometimes that isn't very good quality, but... More more of what we're going to present later is going to be a whole lot better quality. I got an email from Beverly on uh, Tuesday saying that she actually was in – she's from New York City and she was driving through the town and saw the billboard on a bus shelter. It stated, you got a problem? And then it gave the line about calling 877-SUE-TO-WIN. And it had a picture on the billboard of Spader front and center and Shatner and Bergen were on either – Candace Bergen were on either side of them in a rather you know smaller, more recessed version of them. <laughs> So I think people kind of get the idea that it has something to do with Boston Legal. But I thought that was very clever. And actually, ABC has kind of started this last year with their campaign for Desperate Housewives and some others, that they got a lot of buzz about their marketing. Um, Stephen McPherson, who's the primetime entertainment president, has actually been patted on the back for that. Actually, it probably should be Mike Benson, who's the marketing chief at ABC. He was quoted as saying uh, that, unfortunately, they can't do it for every show as he said, we love all our children, but it's just not possible to feed them all. <laughs> yeah, I think the the question really that comes to my mind is whether or not they're going to pull out the stops for Boston Legal and really put some marketing um, energies behind this um, just prior to the launch of the, um, the the season here. Yeah, and I guess is billboards enough, major cities? We'd like to see more. I remember Desperate well, I Housewives. They have over- to play spots um, leading into the time slot and mm-hmm. those kind of things. And, and in other shows as well, pr- cross-promoting shows, mm-hmm. especially it might make sense to play a few spots on the, the night of Sunday, you know, just prior to Grey's Anatomy and some of those shows when to try and pull it. those listeners that may be looking for the show. <laughs> they may very well be doing that, and I just haven't been watching Grey's Anatomy. I know they always play a uh, promo, 30-second promo, during Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. Reminding everybody, it's September 27, and I want all of you guys to be watching September 27 because we want those ratings to be high. Yeah, you may not be a Nielsen family. It may not matter, but just do it anyway. Call everybody you know. If you are a Nielsen family, you must watch Boston Lincoln. Well, and if you miss it for any reason, if you don't have a TiVo, then uh, you can certainly catch up on what happened by going to um, our site at boston-legal.org. Dana keeps you up to date. Thank you. Well, Emmy, it's Emmy season. Uh, September 18, we'll see the Emmys, and as you may or may not know, James Spader and William Shatner are both nominated in the, respectively, lead and supporting actor categories. So, of course, we're going to turn to the betting tables on the websites out there, because everybody loves a good horse race, and, and this is indeed... 
just that. Before I mention that, I wanted to say I went to goldderby.com, which kind of looks at all the award sites and read about what episodes each actor submitted for consideration. They get to choose one. And Spader thankfully chose Death Be Not Proud, which was the last episode, episode number 17, before the season was cut short. And he gave a great, very moving closing. It was the death penalty episode where Spader went down to Texas to try and save the life of Ezekiel Bourne, who was on death row and due to be executed. And he was accompanied by Shalina Hall. And there was very funny moments. And there was there some pretty serious a, ones. Some very in that serious episode ones. too that, that covered a lot of controversial territory about some of the less than optimal things that go on in Texas around the uh, whole death penalty. Dana, let me ask you one question about this. So each of the actors actually select which episode that they want to be sub, uh, they want to have submitted to mm-hmm. the, um, the the awards ceremony. Now, does David E. Kelly have any contribution to that selection? I'm process? sure everybody tells them what they think they'd like him to do, and you know, then he does what he wants to anyway. And I could be guessing. I am guessing here. I think that if the show was nominated, David E. Kelly is the creator, executive producer, could probably pick the show for the best drama. But mm-hmm. it, unfortunately, it, it wasn't nominated this year for best drama. So uh, Shadner, actually, a supporting actor, gets the privilege of selecting two episodes. Isn't that generous? And he picked It Girls and Beyond and Tortured Souls. And I was thrilled about It Girls and Beyond because that one is actually one of it probably is my favorite episode of last season, uh, number 13, tied with Hired Guns. I liked Hired Guns a lot, too. So good. I think these are probably ones I would have picked, I think, for if I were, if it was up to me. But let's talk a little bit about the odds, Rob. Why don't you kind of run down what we found on some betting sites? Well, if you go to, um, was it bodog.com, I think is the, and that's B-O-D-O-G.com. It's a sports betting site out there. Um, they they basically are, are run, running through the odds of which actor is going to win the Emmy for Best Actor in a Drama. And, and it looks like James Spader is uh, very close to being the number one pick for that um, with uh, three to two odds. Um, but there's also somebody that's kind of leading ahead of him by a little bit, Dana, right? Ian McShane, the Deadwood guy, he actually won the Golden Globe last year, which you know James Spader was also up for. And people are kind of buzzing about Ian. He's the guy that curses a lot on Deadwood. The other one that kind of jumps out here is Kiefer Sullivan from 24. And I'm not sure that he's won any Emmy for his work on 24. So I'm wondering if uh, this may be the last season for 24. It's hard to say that uh, they might give it to him. But uh, obviously the, the odds makers The last uh, season for 24. I, I don't know if it would be or not. Well, I you mean, don't start any rumors. I, that's a highly successful series. Well, well it is, but you, you know, it's only 24 hours. I don't know how many 24 <laughs> hours they can go and make this whole thing work. I mean, how, how many world catastrophes can they have in a three-year period of time? But anyway, Kiefer has odds of 7 to 2, So, but we'll see. Well, actually, uh, I think Kiefer tried to trip up James at the Emmys last year. <laughs> he was up in the same category again, and they announced Spader as the winner. He kind of rolled out of his seat and sauntered up the aisle past the people that were seated in front of him, the other nominees. Spader was considered sort of the dark horse. He was dead oh, last yeah. in the odds, so he was back three, four rows, you know, actually back quite quite a ways. No, I know really what was going on here. Kiefer was trying to trip him. Uh, well, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> trying to make him, you know, look like he's a dunce or something like that. Kiefer was on the front row I mean, aisle. That's that's kind of in keeping with the Kiefer Sullivan, yeah. you know. Take the, him the, down. The Reno, take him down. He could have pulled out his machine gun, but mm-hmm. 
James kind of did trip over his foot and goes, I'm sorry, Keeper, excuse me. And then he proceeded up to the stage. James is so polite. Uh, also, oddschecker.com. Check them out. That actually much closer odds. Actually has James ahead of Ian at 1.85 to 1. Ian at 2.54 to 1. So, I don't know. Either way, you're not going to make money on James, but he's going to make money. If you want to make money, you probably need to put it on somebody like Kiefer or one of these other ones. But but I think it's very likely that um, James could uh, wind up winning this. It's a good one. And actually, James Gandolfini actually made a big joke about betting on Spader to win last year. And James Gandolfini was in the same category to win. So he actually decided he'd pick the guy that would make him the most money rather than the statuette. <laughs> <laughs> couple quick things that were also mentioned this week. If you know abcmedianet.com, that's the sort of press site for ABC shows. And today they put up the summary and new pictures from the Black Widow episode, which is the premiere episode for season two, which is September 27. If you go there and you can look at some of the thumbnail pictures from the episode, these were actually pictures taken last year last spring when they filmed the episode and then they they took them down they had them up on the site for a while they took them down this is you'll see pictures of rupert everett who will be guest starring as an ex-lover of tara's you'll see heather locklear who comes in as the black widow and brad and alan defend her in a court trial for murder but interesting the new thing that the thing that is new and i i was surprised to see this i hadn't heard that they were doing this is they inserted a new storyline that incorporated the three new cast members now, this is something that you would expect them to do. I thought they were going to work it into a later episode, but right off the bat, they're going to have Julie Bowen and Justin Mintel and Ryan Michelle Bath, who are the three new cast members, do a storyline. Let me read this to you. Denise Bauer enlists junior associates Garrett Wells, that's played by Justin Mintel, and Sarah Holt, who's Ryan Michelle Bath, to assist her on a case involving a Jewish man who feels his civil rights were violated when his Christian co-workers hold Bible studies at work. Uh, to complicate matters... Denise's husband serves her with divorce papers in front of them. Now, Rob, what about that last little bit is intriguing. Mm, what, the divorce papers yeah. part? Oh, why do you, do you think I have personal experience with something like oh, this? Oh, no, no. Well, you do. We all do. But um, <laughs> the fact that they're, that Denise is one of the few married people, I guess, in Boston Legal. In fact, I can only think of one married person. That would be Edwin Poole. Everybody else is single. And now she's going to be single. I was going to say, I think it's a requirement of being on the show that you have to be single, right? I think so. <laughs> so the next question begs, of course, who who's she going to hook up with? Well, that's true. It's either it, James or... Oh, um, no. His name's Alan. Or Alan. We can't Excuse get me. people confused that, well, with real life. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Alan or... Uh, Brad. Or Brad, right? I hope Brad needs to kiss somebody, please. And then uh, there's always Denny. Denny. And, and there's Paul Lewiston. Well, I don't think Paul or, or Denny are going to be much uh, much of an attraction to her. What do you think? There's Garrett. He's adorable. He's the new cast member. That's, uh, exactly. But the young, you know, the young people stay together. She's probably. I hope she actually doesn't hook up with anyone in in the office because that would be unethical. Mm, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's what happened to Lake Bell, right? The Sally character. Right? Yeah, she kind of got laid off because she was a little bit uh, promiscuous. Is too what that was involved with the other. Well, associate. anyway, that's jumping to a different episode. <laughs> yes, but, and we but, did cover that last week. So, just a a good moment to remember that you can actually go back and listen to last week's premiere podcast at odeo.com, odeo.com, and of course at boston-legal.org. Also, the overnights are out. The ratings for last night's episode, uh, Nielsen released. Tentatively, the ratings for Till We Meet Again. And uh, unfortunately, they are slipping a little bit. We've been slipping a little bit since the August 9th first 
reruns they started airing. Last night's episode got a 1.5 share in adults 18 to 49, and that's down 17% from the Head Cases rerun that was on August 9, and it's less than half of what it averaged during season one, which was a, a 4.9 share. Well, but, this is a you know it's a rerun. It's summertime. People are on vacation. I wouldn't expect really high ratings, but I, hopefully they're they're going to promote it and get the word out and try and transfer some of those viewers that are listening are watching mm-hmm. on Sundays over to Tuesday a little bit more. I know it will happen. I mean, we did have Katrina kind of grabbing a lot of headlines too. Of course, I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's what mm-hmm. I watched. Yeah. Anyway, we we expect some really good ratings. I will not entertain the thought that Boston Legal won't run for full twenty seven episodes. Well, we're going to do what we can to help. We're going to do this podcast, and we're going to work hard on the website, too. When this episode actually aired originally in February, it won against the other two network shows. In fact, Crossing Jordan, which is, you know, it was a battle always with Crossing Jordan. They came in ahead by 1.4 million additional viewers. So they had 12.2 million viewers uh, in February. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's only up from here. (laughs) Dana, you have a little special announcement that you need to talk about here because it's really exciting. You've, you've, you know, you're a podcaster, obviously. You've been doing it for Web Talk Radio and now your own podcast with Boston Legal. But you have a, another podcast that you're going to be taking on here in the next few weeks, aren't you? Indeed. Um, this is It's not really Boston Legal related, but I'll just soapbox it anyway. Got a call today from CBS. Yes, not ABC. It's CBS. And I had actually sent in a submitted um, – sort of a submission for a little podcast contest they were doing for the official CBS podcaster earlier in the month. And I got a call today from CBS in New York and got the good news. You're the CBS podcast. You're going to be going down to Hollywood in a week and a half yep. and actually speak with um, some of the TV stars from CBS in the fall season here. As the official CBS podcaster. This yeah. is not just, this is a radio junket. So I guess there are going to be about 30 stations there doing this and yeah. so it's going to be a big you know all the stars walking well it's around. a big big radio event a lot of the the big um stars from other radio stations around the country are all going to fly in and and spend time with all of the the stars from the tv episodes generating live feeds and radio programs right. and and dana's going to go down there and do some podcast recordings that will be distributed off of the cbs.com website hopefully I understand. and uh, actually maybe air it off of a uh, radio station out of san francisco K-Y-O-U, um, which airs podcasts. So it's very exciting. I believe this Congratulations is... Congratulations to Dana. Certainly. Oh, thank you. I think this is just a one-off thing, but um, you know, I'm going to be as persuasive as I can to see if something can't continue. And ABC, if you're listening, I'm not married yet as far as to CBS. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to continue doing Boston Legal shows. Well, you know. I mean, you're on your way to um, to being the... The whole alphabet here, aren't you? Yeah, ABC. Yeah. <laughs> and I worked yeah. at NBC. I worked at KNBC back in as a, a production assistant back in the 80s. So now this is the third. Nah, I'm, I haven't really done anything with ABC. Well, that's right. Official. You were <laughs> used to work for NBC. Yeah. So mm-hmm. th- this will be all three of the networks yeah. you've had. Some I, I can't really with. say I worked for ABC. or <laughs> I just am a fan of them. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. appreciate me, ABC, please. Okay, well, it's time to jump into. The actual episode. We're going to just play a few clips for you and discuss it. And uh, we're, like we did last week, we want to just kind of cover it story blind by storyline. So it's not entirely chronological. So we're going to talk a little bit about Ellen's creative instigation of a barroom brawl. And we're going to talk a little bit about Denny and Shirley's court case. That was a serious one. There's always something serious going on to balance out the cornball stuff. This one is involving banning red meat. 
We'll touch on the Paul versus Alan issues. Paul is frustrated with Alan. And, of course, Tara smelling good. Mm-hmm. Now, the show started off with um, Blink-182's All the Small Things, rather famously, I thought, because we usually hear uh, Dinny Lux's theme music, you know, the little sort of, I don't know, scat kind of music mm-hmm. that you hear for Boston Legal. But this one was just, like, powerful. It was in a bar. So, of course, it was like Jukebox was playing. And it started out with strong chords. And I would love to play you a little bit of All the Small Things. Believe you me, I love Blink-182, but we're not going to break any laws here. So uh, just imagine that as I play the opening scene of Till We Meet Again. Hello, I'm a complete stranger, and I'm here to pick you up. Oh, I see. There's two of us. I'll be evens, you be odds. You got a problem? No, actually. I just saw this fair maiden here talking to a tree trunk, and since I'm an arborist, I thought I could help translate. Here's a health tip walk away. Why would I do that? All right, Eating. guys. Don't be deceived by my cushy appearance. Uh, excuse me. I actually am with him. I don't care. Walk away or I lay you out. I don't mean to be a stickler, but isn't the object to lay her out? Hey! hey! Oh, gee, I'm sorry. I was reaching for my wallet. I see. Uh, Allow me to reach for mine. Fine. Hello, big people. Sorry to intrude, but you seem rather strapping. Here's $300. Would you be so kind as to go hit that man down there? <laughs> really? Alan. There's an extra hundred if he goes down. <laughs> yeah. You're on. Make it a good one. Oh, for God's sakes. And so goes the brawl. <laughs> yeah, the punches are thrown all directions. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Alan Shore got clocked by Tree Trunk. He did. Rather suddenly and dramatically for like no particular reason. But as if you saw it, you know, he did it in his true um, Alan Shore way. He enlisted larger men. <laughs> <laughs> to come in and fight his battles. Yeah. And, and he paid quite dearly for it, too, out of his pocket. He wasn't worried. He was handing out $100 bills to, to well, actually, to the one guy, and then 300 if you knock him out. But, you know, as, as the uh, buddies were lining up and accepting their $100 bills to then go fight in the brawl, he said, hit him hard now. You know, he was encouraging them to hit. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly was a funny scene, and I certainly enjoyed it. But he got in a little hot water when he got back to the office, didn't he? He uh, actually walked back in his office, and the police were there waiting for him, and it was great. Catherine Piper, Betty White, his secretary, said, Alan, guess what? The police are here, you know, and I've cleared your morning, so you're free to go take care of this. And then she has this kind of smarts off to the police officer, just like, in a way, only that Catherine Piper can. It's mm-hmm. adorably funny. But he's just so smug. I'm talking about James Spader or Alan is just so smug about this. It's like he, he didn't do anything wrong, and... He's uh, just flying in the face of uh, of the law on this, and it really, I think, really upset a lot of people. Tara, particularly, she was pretty upset about the whole thing because she's used to the guy being fairly sedate, fighting with his mouth. You know, basically, his words are his weapons. But this time, she she was actually worried for herself, I think, and her safety. And the fact that he wasn't, I think, really perturbed her a lot. Let's hear what what Tara had to say to him after they got back to the office. Say what you must. 
I was hugely embarrassed by what happened at the bar. Not to mention terrified. I could have been injured. Did that ever occur to you? I mean, it would have been one thing had you had a Neanderthal reaction and swung back, but your response was considered. You reflectively, calmly orchestrated your violence. People could have been hurt. I could have been hurt. But you've not once considered that, because contrary to the rumor that you are the center of the universe, clearly you are the universe. And I, for one, am getting sick of it. Alan paid attention to those words, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, later... It will come back to be reiterated that he is the center of the universe and that she is indeed sick of it. And does that mean that she's sick of him? I guess that's the question. That actually has, shockingly, Alan Shore worried. He, the man, of course, does not show emotion, does not feel vulnerable, does not show that. But, well, I uh, think we must say that um, that Tara is quite a catch for him, I'm he's sure. He's lucky. He's so lucky. So <laughs> he, he's probably a little concerned about losing um, you know, a person of her caliber. But as he always, as Alan is prone to do, he sabotages good things because ultimately, I, I don't know if he feels like he doesn't deserve it. But well, he's only going to go so far, you know, in what he what he says or does. He's not going to give himself up completely. It's always like he's he's always leaving something else on the table that he never gives up. You know what I mean? He's just like he's always holding a card. You know, <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, just prior to that little lecture, too, he just about pushed her right over the edge, and and when uh, she was being rather forceful with him and, and insisting that she close because he's representing himself now in a court case. She insists that she close because he's a little too self-centered and the jury does not seem to appreciate that. Well, he was really smart alecky in the court and just was, you know, scoffing at the yeah. at the judge and all sorts of stuff. He so, does that when which he represents typical. Well, when he stater. represents himself particularly yeah. because, you know, he has himself for a client, he knows he can take it. But but supposedly he's like this super attorney, you know, that can win every case and th- th- that whole smugness kind of comes off and we've like you said, we've seen that before. Well, he, he not only alienated Tara, but just about every woman watching the show when he said when he re- basically retorted to her, "Are we at a certain point in our cycle, Tara?" <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. glared at him and and he actually apologized. And I think uh, that was probably the first time I've heard him apologize for anything. I'm sorry, Dara. And then she launched into her lecture. That leads us into, I think, I just loved this scene. I, I think you may know why. I guess Alan, who did not go the physical route in the brawl, it's been building up inside of him. I think Alan wants to give in to that darker side and, and you know throw a punch. Well, he wants to be a tough guy. Okay. Let's see what happens when he walked into the break room a little bit later at Crane Pool and Schmidt and overheard this conversation between Lori and Brad. All I know is he instigated the brawl. The charge is conspiracy to commit aggravated assault. Talking about me, Brad? Yeah, we're just trying to imagine you as the instigator. What's that supposed to mean? Sorry. Forget it. No, let's not forget it. How about you say what you have to say, or is that too monumental an effort completing whole sentences? Come on, Alan. You want to talk about me, Laurie? Perhaps you should reposition yourself behind my back. Isn't that the rule of the game? I don't talk about you behind your back. You're not that interesting. I'm tired of this. Got that? I don't know what's going on with you, sport, but you're certainly smart enough to realize that I could probably dismember you in about the time. Then do it. Cut it out. What the hell is going on? Careful, Tara. I wouldn't want you to get hurt. Listen to me. Talking to others as if I weren't the only one in the universe. When will I learn? No, when will we learn? 
that you are always right. That it makes sense to start a barroom brawl. That it's perfectly reasonable to get into a shoving match at the office. Nothing could be going on with you. When will we learn? Get help. And what you may have heard was two sharp shoves from shore directed at uh, Brad's chest. Mm-hmm. Knocking him back and actually making him look a little surprised. Well, I think, um, you know, Alan's trying to make it look like he's a tough guy. He's going to, you mm-hmm. know, fight because that's what uh, Tara was just beating him up about. And obviously he misunderstood that. He definitely had his displaced anger directed right at Brad and, and got to hand it to the man. He he didn't react. Of course, Brad wouldn't. I mean, this would not mm-hmm. be ethical. It's certainly not good to throw a punch. It wasn't even a choice, I'm sure. Nonetheless, sure. And I think sure knows that. So, but he was still well, trying. I mean, I think he's a a marine, right? Brad. Former marine, yeah. Brad. Yeah. Well, and you you see him. Yeah. The man's built. He's a solid muscle. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting a little excited here. <laughs> we got to move on from Brad <laughs> for now. So, well, let's actually move on to the storyline that was the serious case. This was the one involving the banned meat situation. Uh, let's let it be set up by the TV newscast that uh, Shirley and Denny were watching with the client who came to see them about this issue. And in an unprecedented, if not bizarre move, the selectmen of Summersport, Massachusetts, a small South Shore town, population 18,000, voted 6-2 to two yesterday to ban red meat. As of midnight, it is now illegal to serve or sell beef within the township. Mayor George Bostwick calling the law a health and safety regulation. So a small town outside of Boston, uh, the mayor actually passed through this banning red meat, which... The client that has come to see Crane, Pull, and Schmidt is a little worried because he's he's had this restaurant in his family for a long time. It's a steakhouse. His livelihood's gone. In a lot of ways, there has been a lot of evidence that, that meat is not the best for all of us uh, because of the chemicals in it and the fat and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I can see a, you know, a, an issue here that's, well, certainly that's worth talking about. There are laws that regulate smoking and drinking, where and who and what age you can do that. And, you know, and as it comes up later in the arguments that surely – presents but that are ineffective in a way is well you know what are you going to do about mercury in the fish and other you know yeah. harmful things that we do eat but i think we, we all kind of compromise because you know each type of food has its downside and its upside so you know you just have to choose and make your own personal choice and that's what this guy was trying to do is make uh, choices for other people so even though it was a very serious situation we can always count on denny who is <laughs> co-chair basically helping Shirley with this. I don't know if he was helping, but actually he was incredibly helpful in the end. Well, when you throw in mad cow disease into it, it always makes it more entertaining. Yeah. Here's his comments to to the client. How can you ban red meat? We're carnivores. When the pilgrims landed, first thing they did was eat a few Indians. I'll argue with myself, ban red meat. I cannot pass constitutional mustard. The word is mustard, Denny, but you're right. The law lacks condiments. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. I love that. It's wonderful. The law lacks condiments. I like that. <laughs> Later, as they are actually in court, uh, Dr. Raymond Young, the, basically the expert testimony from the doctor, actually makes a connection that I think co- strikes pretty close to home to Denny. He associates the human strain of mad cow disease being linked, or by the way, it's called a if I get this right, Kruschfeld-Jacob, or also CJD. That's sort of the more scientific term for mad cow disease. He links it 
uh, to possibly Alzheimer's, or maybe even that what is diagnosed as Alzheimer's may be a form of CJD. They just don't know yet. Yeah. But it's interesting. I actually didn't see a huge reaction until the balcony scene, I think, uh, at the end of the show. Denny knows what he's going through with his mental deficiencies, you know, kind of, you know, old age or whatever. But I don't know if I really liked the association between Alzheimer's and CJD. I don't know that that actually rings totally true, but that's something to throw in there. Denny, during the, the court case, had this to say. You would agree, Mr. Mayor, that by and large, vegetarians are communists. I certainly would not. We're at war, Mr. Bostwick. Think we can win that war if we suddenly say to our soldiers, no more meat? Think a nation of fish eaters can protect the world, you wimp? Objection? Withdrawn. Nothing further. What the hell are you doing? Don't bother with the marriage, Shirley. In this case, it's all about the judge. <laughs> the judge being Henry Gibson. Do you remember Henry Gibson from Laugh-In, I believe? Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> it was a sly move, I think, by... Um Denny to actually um, jump in there and make that comment, but I'm, I'm not sure. It kind of kind of lost me a little bit. I wasn't sure if he was doing the right thing on that or not. Denny comes up with the actual strategy that that Sch- Schmidt goes and employs, and that's go for the judge. Like he said, the judge has a sort of aversion to being counted among the Nancy Pansies, as Denny has coined, which is even worse, I guess, than being a Nabby Pamby. You know, Nancy Pansy actually implies. Well, the guy lives with his mom. <laughs> he's, I guess he's not married. <laughs> I do believe, isn't it, isn't it Henry Gibson, isn't it the same judge that comes into play during the final episode in Death Be Not Proud mm-hmm. in the storyline where Shelley Long is, is an infomaniac? <laughs> and he does very well there, too. Be a man. Only men eat meat, right? Is that, <laughs> that, that's the mentality here. Denny has one more. I, gotta play. I could play Denny all day. But uh, here's what he said. I'll tell you this one more time. Play the judge. The man lives with his mother. He wears lifts. The buzzword is Nancy Pansy. I beg your pardon? Nancy. Pansy. He doesn't want to fall on that side of the fence. It's even worse than Nambi Pamby. What are you talking about? Trust me, Shirley. For once, can you do that? Nancy Pansy. <laughs> I know. I had to say it a few times too, Shirley, till I got it right. <laughs> Serious script lines there, I would say. Well, how that all plays out and in the end how it happens, I'm not going to give it away. You just will have to go ahead and catch it another time. Maybe it'll be out on DVD one time. Also go to boston-legal.org and watch some of the scenes right there. But I want to move on to the storyline very briefly of Paul versus Alan. Paul Lewiston brought in to sort of be the serious lawyer in the firm because, you know, that w- there was Brad, and that was it. So we, I don't know. I kind of think Paul may have taken Brad's place a little bit as far as being the, the calming influence or the the one that holds the reins down. But he heard. Well, well, Paul can be a little volatile too. Paul was volatile. Yes. So he he's got the word about Alan being involved in this brawl instigation, and he calls him into his office. You were involved in a bar altercation last night. Altercation? I think not. It was a brawl. And you were arrested. I was. Trial starts tomorrow, actually. Can I count on you as a character witness? Who's defending you? I'm representing myself with Taurus assistance. There's no opportunity to plead this out. Only if I plead guilty, which is, of course, unacceptable. I have to worry about a three-strikes law since I 
plan to commit future crimes. <laughs> that was good. Plan to commit future crimes. Well, I guess there's a pattern of that. He just hasn't gotten caught. Well, he actually did get caught in the well, uh, Halloween episode, remember? He and true. Tara masquerading as Batman and Robin. So he's had two strikes. Oh, yeah. He's got one more, huh? It's important to him. To <laughs> sorry, or is he a cat and he's got nine lives? I don't uh, know. We'll three strikes. Yeah, yeah. Three, three strikes and you're out. Now, and what you couldn't see is that, obviously, was that Paul kept saying, this is not how we do it at Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. This is not acceptable to the lawyers at Crane, Poole, and Schmidt, who now must render explanations at Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. Every time he said Crane, Poole, and Schmidt, our juvenile Alan came out and, and decided to mouth the words right along with it, you know, mm-hmm. mocking him, basically. Mm-hmm. Really <laughs> pissing him off. Alan, you know, a little childish, I know. Alan, I mean, Paul just said, stop it. I mean, he actually got mad, which was quite dramatic. Scared me. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on from that, I finally want to just touch on the more angsty, romantic part of it. This is actually how the episode sort of it kind of dwelled on this at the end. And that's the, the relationship between Alan and Tara, which we've touched on a little bit during the, after this brawl. So the time of closing, when he goes into the court and, and the judge is about to render her verdict on whether or not Alan is guilty or not guilty of instigating this brawl in the um, assault situation... He kind of sees the writing on the wall a little bit when she walks in. I must be acquitted. She's not smiling. Of course. (laughs) He figures if she's not smiling, he must be off the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. But the judge, she was classic. She actually uttered the the title of the episode. Mr. Shore, this probably doesn't have to be goodbye so much as until we meet again. Yes, Your Honor. So is that meat or meat? And it, that's clever because, of course, we meant it M-E-E-T, but it's spelled M-E-A-T because you know you want to marry up all the storylines into one title. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, Alan was indeed acquitted. He yeah, was not. He got off. He got off. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the technicality is that got him off. I don't re- recall. Do you? I don't think they really talked <laughs> about that. I think just th- they just came back with a verdict and said he wasn't convictable or something like that oh I'm you know quite what, sure what the reason you know was. there probably was and, I, and i'm ashamed i you know sometimes you just live for the one-liners yeah, and you kind exactly. of forget why or how well, that's what happened. this podcast all about is, yeah. the, is the liners don't look don't look at us for full explanations <laughs> of actually why someone won i mean we just want to get to the the fun stuff so as they as it was over uh, alan and tara turned to each other and had a little heart to heart because as i said before Alan's a little concerned about losing Tara. He remembered that she said that he was the thought of himself as the center of the universe and never wrong, and she was sick of it. Tara, I am sorry. I never meant to put you in any danger. I know. When you launched into that diatribe about me being the... The universe. You said you were sick of it. Are you sick of me? Are you sick of me, Tara? No. As much as I loathe sentiment together with its expression... I cherish you. You should just know. You really, really smell good. 
You smell good too. Very sweet. And may I just say that you smell good is code for them. Code that started back on Hired Guns, one of my favorite episodes, which was episode number 10, after Shore was actually held hostage and nearly shot. And we all know, as you could hear in his voice, expressing sentiment is foreign to him. I was going to say, why does he loathe expressing sentiment? And then three seconds later, express sentiment. Well, he did it by saying she smelled good. But, you know, those are actually, he means, I love you. Mm-hmm. In a strange sort of way, right? Uh, well, in his Alan-esque way. Alan-esque way, yeah. yes. But, I mean, did you hear, you could hear and you could certainly see it. He's taking deep breaths just to get his words out. It was very difficult. I mean, he couldn't him. even say that, that. I mean, he had a hard time saying that. He did. He was on the verge of hyperventilating. His eyes were wet. It mm-hmm. was tough. Now, why is that attractive to to women? That's, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing when you really think about it. Women want to be the one that the men, the that breaks the man's spirit. No, that actually. So he's like a horse. You got to break him so you can, you know, throw a saddle on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm being horrible over here, but you know how it is. If well, if you're very into a girl and what's she, the bad boy? She thing, doesn't I want think. you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the hard to get kind of bad boy thing. It's, right. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. I mean, I think it goes both. The both sexes do that yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I know. Why can't we just say, "Hey, I like you. You're beautiful." <laughs> and then go from there. Because oh, but no, it, because well, that wouldn't well, because work. Well, it, it, it's psychologically risky. It's uh, yeah. emotionally risky. And a lot of people don't have that level of confidence in themselves. They don't want to be rejected. I love it if they do have that level of confidence. And, you know, you just have to be straight with people. And I'm not sure that Alan really likes to be rejected. I think is really what it boils down to. And yet, oddly, I think he seeks rejection for the, the pain of it. Well, I think he he would rather have that. I think, than um, him feeling bad, I think. With Sally, she left him. I mean, that's how that scene played out. That relationship ended. She walked away from him, but he had orchestrated it. He had basically laid out the pathway, and she just followed the crumbs. Oh, yeah, exactly. He he created that whole scenario. Yeah. yeah. Vanilla, is a person that I know, actually, wrote this. She said, she only knows of one time that Alan said, I love you. And that was on the practice episode four. Do you kind of remember when Sheila, who was Sharon Stone, came to work for the firm, friend of Alan Shores, and she was having her own mental pro- breakdowns, and actually he asked her to, to leave the law firm because she wasn't well, but he told her, I, I love you. But it, then it was more of a platonic friendly kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So he actually is capable of saying it, but kudos for the writers for bringing back the Tara Allen angst that we all know is unfortunately going to come to a close because Rona Mitra is now on Nip Tuck. So we're going to lose her, unfortunately, from Boston Legal. And that's kind of hard. Well, and I think that that, that that scene with Alan Shore is is classic to the Alan Shore character. And is really, I think, the, the performance that he gave on that is one of the reasons why he's up for an Emmy all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that, you, know, you can just tell by the inflection of his voice and the, the mannerisms and how he held his head and stuff was was. Uh, very, I guess, deep into the character. He he really had a good time. He worked hard at projecting what the the emotion is behind that, mm-hmm. which which makes him such a great performer. And that's from a man, folks. <laughs> you know what the well, women I mean, think about him. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's just uh, you know he's he's a very good performer, and and I think that's one of the reasons why he's so respected. 
that pretty much covers the major storylines we wanted to just give you a taste. And of course, our show is running much longer than we ever expected. But I do want to spend a moment talking about feedback from you. Again, we want to hear what you think of the show, but we also want to hear what we think about the V show, which is Boston Legal. So definitely give us a call with your thoughts. And the phone number is 1-800-986-8290. We're going to hear from someone that gave us a call just as the episode was beginning. And Ask us uh, our opinions. Let's hear what he had to say. Well, uh, just about 35 minutes into uh, the bliss that is Boston Legal, uh, the repeat episode this Tuesday evening, August the 30th of 2005, entitled Till We Meet Again. Question, does it appear that Bill Shatner is either terribly hungover or playing uh, a role of uh, just being drunk uh, during this episode, as part of his character, any thoughts? See ya. Now, that was interesting. Uh, thank you. And I wish I, I knew your name, but thank you. And by the way, lovely voice. You have a great voice. Was Denny drunk or was he portraying a, a hangover or something like that? Well, mm. I don't think he was portraying that he was drunk. I think he was portraying that he was a little bit mentally loopy. He yeah. was, you know, that, that whole Alzheimer's thing. And I know he's just, our caller here is just poking fun at it, I'm sure, because there was that sound of it. It But again, it's just Denny not being quite plugged in 100%, but yet at the same time, being ahead of everybody, I believe. Kind of like, he doesn't have to actually process things. He's got them already figured out, but then his mind wanders off and he (laughs) makes these strange comments. Well, and I think that the plot line later on kind of, doesn't it kind of leave a little bit from that, that whole Alzheimer's thing and he starts gaining his his mental faculties again and actually it's one of the things that kind of came out of this mm-hmm. this whole episode was how he won that case mm-hmm. and deserved know. respect and and we didn't play the respect that Shirley afforded him by whispering orgasmically in his ear Denny Crane because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody needs to hear that more than a few times <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty provocative yeah it was Well, thank you so much for calling. I'm so pleased. Now, that was the only call we got. I hate to say that, but I'm saying that because I don't want you to think that you can't call. it was our first podcast. It was our first podcast. And I I just want you all to call. I want to get a whole bunch of calls. So please call that number. doesn't matter when you do it as far as in the middle of the night, but call it right after the show or during the show when you watch it next week. And But I have to have it by Wednesday morning because we want it on the podcast. Now, I also got an email I was going to share. I actually got a couple several emails. I shared one at the top of the show about the girl who saw the New York City billboard promoting Boston Legal. This one's from I'm a Mess. I'm a Mess is a code name for a lovely um, girl who's actually contributed a lot to our site by creating a lot of videos that are on our site. She wrote, last week you mentioned during the podcast that James Spader was having a good hair day. Yeah, that episode from whence we came, he looked very fluffy. His hair was fluffy. Well, this is the episode where he's having a bad face day. (laughs) I'm a mess, says that. She says, in the are you sick of me scene, which she actually loves that scene. I guess he looked rather, she didn't actually spell it out, but he did look a little tight, you know, in the face. A little flustered, I think, in (laughs) a lot of ways. And that's, again, like you said, he was expressing himself because it was the hardest thing in the world to apologize and to ask if she was sick of him. Yeah, I think he was he was um, tormented by it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I think that was the facial impression that she's referring to here. I'm a mess. Also says that she loves the quip that Alan made to the judges during his uh, brawl trial. 
Um, he says, I'll go ahead and stipulate to all the facts in the police report about instigating the brawl. Although I do take issue with some of the spelling. <laughs> so he's like making a jab. <laughs> bad policeman, bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, in summary, I just want to actually conclude by um, <laughs> saying that there was not nearly enough of Brad. And I've d- you've heard of these drinking games that people have with TV shows, right? Where you, you wait until something happens on a regular basis and then you have a, a shot of something. Okay, I've decided that I'm going to have a drink every time Brad Chase has a line. This week, that was four sips of a rather nice wine. It was not nearly enough to give me a buzz. So, so does that mean that if <laughs> if Brad Chase gets gets more lines, you're going to become an alcoholic? I think so. I, well, I'll be happy, though. I'll be much happier on two levels. Especially toward the end of the episode, right? So I think we should give each episode that we do from here on out, uh, conclude each episode podcast with a Brad Chase line rating thing. So this was a... A four, right? Because there were four lines. Now you have to be 21 in order to fall through on this one. <laughs> well, you know, you can do the same thing with OJ, okay? Orange juice. That's fine. That's true. Any drink, actually. But I hear, I understand that there's going to be more Brad in season two, that David e. Kelly actually said that at the TCA press tour. He said that they definitely didn't use him enough. He's a very funny guy. He is. Anybody who's seen Keen Eddie, he's a very sensitive guy if you saw his role in Once and Again. They've been saying about that about Brad all along, is that he's really an underutilized character in there and the mm-hmm. potential that he has to bring some comedy, like you said. I mean, especially mm-hmm. when you combine him and Candace Bergen, I think you can really create quite an experience. That would be good. And, and Denny. But I think Alan... Well, yeah, and Denny too. But that's a, that's a different kind of comedy with Denny. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not sure that Alan Shore has has much comedy in him. And, you know, Alan Shore does have a tremendous amount of wit. But unfortunately, when you pair Alan and Brad together, (laughs) Brad comes out being mocked. And then the general, I think, reaction there is is more the ethical, stern, you know, response. So they're not like trading quips because Alan's very threatened by Brad. Is one thing that I would I would guess so. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would say so, too. I mean, I think of anybody in the office, he probably feels the most threatened by Brad. Since Alan has befriended, or Denny has befriended Alan now in place of the, quote, son that Brad has been his favorite. Um, in fact, if you remember in head cases, the very first words practically were, were Brad's. Then Denny followed it by not knowing anybody else at the international meeting, but knowing Brad and every detail about Brad. Well, yeah, because, I mean, in this episode, um, Alan picked on Brad for some reason, you know, pushed him and... So you can see that there's some friction there, and he's concerned about him. Well, September 27, the premiere of season two, promises to have Alan and Brad together helping a client. So it's going to be amazing seeing them work together. It has not happened. Brad tends to co-chair with Lori, and she's going to be gone. So this will be very interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Tell a friend to watch Boston Legal Tuesdays at 10. Of course, again, Black Widow premiering at September 27. That's the name of the episode. Thanks to all my friends over at the James Bader Meeting Place. They provide so much good content and my live journal friends in Beverly and I'm a mess for emailing me this week and Crystal from France. Well, and everybody else that comes and spends time at boston-legal.org too. Thank you, everybody. I want to say that the last two days have been one of the highest trafficked days. They just keep getting bigger and bigger. I know that September 27th and also the 18th, if especially if Spader or Shatner wins, the Emmy will be great days. But we're getting huge traffic numbers, and I'm very happy. You guys are happy. going to take down our server if you guys keep going the way you are. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week with the commentary of Death Be Not Proud. Take care, guys. Mr. Shore, this probably doesn't have to be goodbye so much as... <laughs>
until we meet again. Yes, Your Honor. You're not that interested. I'm tired of this, got that? <laughs>